a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Michael Wong. The headlines we're tracking at this hour. China's total foreign trade edges higher in 2023, with a trio of green tech exports surging by nearly 30% to top the 1 trillion yuan mark for the first time. China sees mild inflation and falling producer prices in 2023, but still able to achieve its full-year growth target without excessive price increases. And the U.S. and U.K. conduct airstrikes against Yemen's Houthis after the militia group attacked and threatened ships traversing through the Red Sea. And we begin with China's foreign trade, where on Friday, China Customs Authority unveiled the country's foreign trade numbers for 2023. Our reporter Yang Shenshan has more. In 2023, China's exports grew by 0.6%, while imports fell by 0.3%. Foreign trade reached 41.76 trillion yuan, or about 5.9 trillion US dollars. The data is seen to reflect a steady improvement in the trade sector, in spite of high inflation and rising interest rates, which drove down global demand in major economies. The major reason behind this achievement is firstly the Chinese government issued numerous policies to support the trade sector. Secondly, China has the biggest potential market and possesses resilient manufacturing capabilities. This still creates business opportunities for global companies. Private enterprises continue to drive China's trade growth, accounting for over half of the country's foreign trade volume. Trade with Belt and Road partner countries was up by 2.8% last year, accounting for nearly 47 of China's total foreign trade. Among China's major export drivers are electromechanical products, specifically electric vehicles, lithium-ion batteries and solar cells, making up nearly 60% of exports. In 2023, China's vehicle exports increased by 57.4%, a big jump three consecutive years. Electric vehicles accounts for one-third of vehicles exported from China. This makes a great contribution to carbon neutrality and the global green economy. We believe China's vehicle industry still has strong competence and will continue to innovate to meet global demand. Domestic demand continued to recover, with imports of commodities and essential products expanding. In 2023, the number of China's pilot free trade zones grew to 22. The Hainan free trade port, in particular, has seen double-digit growth for three consecutive years. The government vowed to do more to improve the business environment and promote a high standard of opening up to support foreign trade development. This year still poses challenges for China's trading sector in the face of shrinking global demand and ongoing trade protectionism and geopolitical tensions. The current Red Sea crisis also adds new uncertainties to global shaping costs. However, the recent new polling suggests that three-quarters of Chinese trading companies still have confidence in their business, expecting it to remain unchanged or experience growth in 2024. Yang Shishen, CGTN, Beijing.
In Adin, according to China Customs, China's private sector companies solidified their dominant role in foreign trade last year. Exports and imports by private companies rose 6% on a yearly basis to 22 trillion yuan in 2023. And that accounted for some 54% of total foreign trade, marking a 3% increase compared to the previous year. In contrast, foreign-funded companies contributed 30%, while state-owned companies accounted for 16%. Now, China's strength in the electromechanical category of exports was further bolstered. Shipments of electromechanical products increased by 3%, reaching some 14 trillion yuan, which constituted 59% of the total export value. Exports of electric vehicles, lithium-ion batteries and solar cells surpassed 1 trillion yuan for the first time, jumping by nearly 30 percent. All right, for more on China's foreign trade performance in 2023, I want to bring in Li Yong, chief researcher at DNC Think Tank. Mr. Li, thank you for joining us. So let's get the macro picture first. Those latest global trade update, though, I was looking at that prior to the show. Uh, by the UN Conference on Trade and Development Forecasts, that world trade is set to contract by some 5% in 2023. So given this challenging backdrop for trade last year, Mr. Lee, uh, what's your take on China's 0.2% growth in foreign trade in 2023? Well, I think the, uh, the customers official uses the term hard earned to describe uh, the result achieved uh, two th- uh, 2023. And that I think is, uh, is in the context of the global situation. For example, you mentioned about the contracting uh, global trade. That is one factor. The other factor is the weakening demand in most of the uh, uh, developed countries. And uh, as a result, uh, you know, there has been, uh, you know, that actually pushed the worsening trade terms, uh, namely the uh, low prices of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, of the trade. And uh, the uh, last factor is the high base of 2022. And uh, against the backdrop of those factors, uh, the 0.2% growth is hard earned. And this is due to, I think, uh, a couple of factors. Uh, one, uh, which is very important, is the government policy uh, policies, which were uh, proactive. And of course, we cannot, um, uh, uh, we cannot really ignore the fact that the uh, businesses are quite uh, they made a lot of efforts and they demonstrated their resilience and uh, their ability to survive headwinds and their uh, uh, tenacity uh, in face of difficulties and uh, I uh, overall I think we can recall uh, the uh, growth uh, with satisfaction mm. back to you And Mr. Lee, of course, one standout area when it comes to China's foreign trade performance last year, we were just reporting on this, the total export value of China's tech-intensive green trio, so namely the solar panels, lithium-ion batteries, EVs, uh, jumped nearly 30% last year. How sustainable is that growth? And what does this say about China's positioning in the global green tech market? Well, I think uh, there are fundamentals uh, that will underlie the uh, sustainability of the uh, of the three uh, three categories of products. You know, one is uh, you know one reason is that you know those products are in line with the global trend of uh, energy transition, 
And that, I think, is, is the one important fundamental. And, of course, if we uh, look at the, uh, uh, the energy transition effort in, in China, the, there will be a great potential uh, for the, uh, the three sectors to grow. And of course, uh, there will be associated uh, tech development in those areas. And I believe, you know, given uh, the uh, fact that uh, free trade and investment is still a dominant force and there will be, uh, you know, uh, demand, you know, from the external market. Of course, if we look at the, these three sectors, plus with the effort to develop green technologies, I think one thing I can say is that China is transforming its manufacturing uh, industries towards green uh, uh, manufacturing. And, uh, you know, those three areas have already demonstrated the leading advantage uh, of China. And I believe, you know, if uh, international cooperation uh, is going to be a factor, you know, in China's development in those areas, I think, you know, altogether will contribute to uh, the, uh, uh, you know, to the global effort to fight climate change and uh, uh, and a green transition. Back to you. Mm. Mr. Lee, the global economy, though, is expected to slow uh, this year, but major central banks around the world are also forecast to start cutting interest rates uh, in 2024, and that could provide a bit of a cushion for growth. So what's your outlook on how China's foreign trade might perform this year, given the current macro backdrop? Well, I think uh, the expected uh, rate cuts in major economies may not be, uh, you know, the one single factor that will determine, uh, you know, the optimism about the global economic recovery as well as trade growth. And there are uh, quite a number of other factors, you know, including geopolitical tensions will have impact on the uh, uh, commodity markets. And uh, we are still uncertain whether inflation global-wide will uh, drop significantly as a result of rates cuts. And, uh, you know, we can still expect, you know, the restrictive uh, you know, trade practices, you know, that will weaken uh, the momentum of trade growth. But, uh, you know, those factors, you know, taking, uh, taken accounted for, I think, you know, China will, uh, you know, leverage its experiences in 2023, you know, to uh, continue, for example, to uh, stage new government policies to uh, uh, to encourage uh, the performance of uh, businesses, basically uh, the private businesses, mm. you know, and uh, you know there will uh, also be uh, you know uh, you know responses, for example, stability. Uh, as well as predictability in response to the uh, global uncertainties yeah. and volatilities. Okay, Mr. Thank Lee, you. we're going to leave yeah. it there. Many thanks as always. Uh, Li Yun, Chief Researcher at DNC Think Tank. Thank you. Well, China has recently unveiled a set of guidelines aimed at promoting green development. Now, one of the key targets outlined in that plan is to increase the proportion of newly registered cars that are new energy vehicles to 45% by the year 2027. The announcement made by the country's state council on Thursday emphasizes China's commitment to accelerate the development of a new energy system and to ensure energy security. The guidelines also highlight the importance of reducing the consumption of fossil fuels and promoting the clean and efficient utilization of coal. 
In addition, China aims to further enhance the national carbon market, diversify transaction methods, and establish a comprehensive national voluntary greenhouse gas emissions reduction trading market. Meanwhile, China is predicted to take the lead in global auto exports for 2023, surpassing Japan in full-year sales. China's Association of Automobile Manufacturers reports nearly 5 million cars sold overseas last year. The group attributes the number to the improved quality of Chinese products, as well as domestic companies' pursuit of higher profitability overseas. Our Huang Fei has more. 2023 saw record passenger vehicle exports from China, partly driven by the global demand for electric cars. BYD remains at the forefront of the trend, overtaking Tesla in the fourth quarter to become the world's top-selling pure electric vehicle brand. The Shenzhen company credits its success to a long-standing focus on electrification and substantial investments in technology. As one of the first companies in the world to develop electric vehicles, BYD has more than two decades of experience. We have core technologies across the entire supply chain, from battery and engines to control systems. With more than 90,000 research engineers, we've invested hundreds of billions of yuan in research and development over the years. BYD has established a strong international presence with products now available in 59 countries and regions. Your first overseas factory for passenger vehicles in Thailand uh, is set to begin production this year. What more can you tell us about your localization plans? Our Thailand factory can produce about 150,000 cars annually, catering to the entire ASEAN market. We are also building three new factories in Brazil and are set to start production in the second half of the year. Last month, we announced a new plant in Hungary. China is not only a global automotive giant in terms of quantity, but also quality. I believe China's vehicle exports will enjoy a new wave of opportunities to boost scale and brand awareness. Meanwhile, Chinese carmakers Sherry, Geely and Great Wall witnessed surging sales in Russia last year following the exit of Volkswagen and Toyota. But as Chinese firms gain more global clout, geopolitical challenges persist. Import tariffs have hindered most automakers from entering the U.S. market with Chinese cars. And the European Commission is investigating Chinese subsidies, a move Beijing criticizes as protectionist. China's electric vehicles industry leads the U.S. by at least five years. Washington's barriers may protect the local players, but that doesn't mean Chinese companies can never break through. It takes time to establish local production, infrastructure, and navigate regulatory barriers. Southeast Asia is more accessible in terms of geography and consumer culture. Chinese brands are scaling up there, as well as in South America and the Middle East. But I believe the U.S. and Europe remain a long-term goal. It's just a matter of finding the right timing and approach. As countries worldwide implement regulations to cut fuel emissions, China is poised to meet increasing demand for new energy vehicles. China's supply chain advantages and its cutthroat domestic market have propelled its products to outperform many Western legacy brands. UBS forecasts that Chinese carmakers could control 33 percent of the global market by 2030, nearly double their share in 2022. Hong Fei, Guangzhou.
And besides trade, we also have fresh inflation numbers out of China. Data from the National Bureau of Statistics show that China's Consumer Price Index, or the CPI, edged down 0.3% year-on-year in December, but it inched up 0.1% on month due to cold weather and increased demand before the New Year holiday. The Producer Price Index, which measures changes in the prices of goods sold by manufacturers, decreased by 2.7% year-on-year in December. Analysts cited lower international oil prices and weak demand for some factory goods as reasons. For the whole year of 2023, CPI here in China rose 0.2% and PPI, the Producer Price Inflation Index, dropped by 3% on a yearly basis. An official from the National Development and Reform Commission explains the yearly CPI figure. Take a listen. The overall price level in China remains stable in December. Among eight major categories, prices for transportation and communication experienced a decline for the whole year, while the prices of all other seven categories remain steady or increased. This suggests that the consumption is on track for recovery. And for more on China's consumer and producer prices, I want to bring in Chen Jianhe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum RK Technologies. Jianhe, so economists are saying that China is on track to achieve its full-year 2023 growth target of around 5%. Uh, We did not see excessive price increases in China relative to inflation in other major economies around the world. So how is China able to achieve what is still quite a robust pace of growth compared to other major economies and yet still keep prices stable last year? Yeah, the latest data shows that for last December, the CPI in China dropped by 0.3% compared with a year ago, and within which the food price dropped by 3.7% and the non-food price increased by 0.5%. For the whole year, the CPI increased by just 0.2%. So this has been a very stable price, and the purchasing power of money remained almost intact. While the economic growth has been expected to be around 5%, which the final data is not out yet, but with the data released before, there shall not be much surprise. Uh, behind this stable price, there are some critical reasons. Even during the hard years of the COVID, China's central bank did not use over liquidity injection to boost the economy. This has eliminated the possibility of excessive inflation in the first place. Uh, meanwhile, the fiscal policy and the many detailed policy decisions have maintained the stable growth of the economy from many aspects, such as increasing business efficiency, uh, encouraging foreign investment, encouraging consumption, etc. Right. So relatively speaking, no massive stimulus from uh, China uh, just to prevent negative side effects from perhaps occurring down the road and also more targeted policies, I would say, as well, relative to some of the other stimulus that we saw around the world. Jiahe, look, when we break down the numbers, we see that declining food prices were a major driver of those mild inflation numbers we saw in 2023. Why did food prices decline so much last year? Well, that's a very good question. Historically speaking, the food price is taking a large part in China's CPI. Although this percentage is decreasing due to the rising of personal income, it is still taking a large share in the CPI. So the dropping of food price in December by 3.7% has contributed a large part to negative CPI. Uh, there are a few reasons behind the dropping food price. Uh, the pork and meat production has remained stable and strong in last year, where the swine flu has been contained. 
trend. Uh, the production of vegetable and rice has been pretty good. Meanwhile, China has also imported a lot of food products from the global market. Uh, China is now the world's largest importer of food products. Countries such as Canada, Australia, Japan, uh, Brazil, the US, they are all exporting a lot of food to China. So the importing of food has also contributed to the falling price. All right, Jiahe, many thanks for your thoughts. As always, Chen Jiahe, CIO at Novum RK Technologies. Thank you, Jiahe. And still to come here on Global Business. China's financial institutions speed up development of tech-driven financial services to better align with the country's high-quality development priorities. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global Business Reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business. Only on CGTN. Well, China's Central Financial Work Conference has identified five key areas of focus with a primary emphasis on technology finance. The Work Conference also stressed the importance of using tech innovation to drive industrial innovation. Now, in line with these directives, the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, that's the world's largest bank in terms of assets, has established a technology finance center in Beijing. Now, this initiative represents a significant milestone for state-owned commercial banks in promoting specialized institutions for technology finance. The center will play a crucial role in supporting tech innovation and the development of a modern industrial system through financial means. We adhere to prioritizing support for technological development, firmly positioning ourselves as a strong financial backbone for technology enterprises. With the establishment of the Technology Finance Center, we are going to drive continuous achievements in the development of technology finance. Through financial innovation to support technological innovation and empowering industrial development with technology finance, we aim to accelerate the construction of a modern industrial system and foster the emergency of more new productive forces. Taking the establishment of the Technology Finance Center as an opportunity, we will continuously iterate financial service models, promoting a virtual cycle among technology industry, and finance, effectively serving as a main force in supporting the real economy and maintaining financial stability. We are committed to firmly following the path of developing distinctive Chinese financial characteristics and making contributions to the construction of a technology-strong and financially robust nation. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell, because every business story is a human story. Global Business. The United States and Britain have launched strikes from the air and sea against Houthi military targets in Yemen. The Friday morning strikes are the first since the Houthis started targeting international shipping in the Red Sea late last year. 
The Houthi leader, meanwhile, warned on Thursday that any U.S. attack on his group will not go without a response. Russia's delegation to the U.N. said the U.N. Security Council will hear a briefing on the latest strikes after Russia requested a meeting. Our Benji Heyer has more from Washington. A major development in a region that has been engulfed by tension since the outbreak of the Israel-Hamas war. And now a statement from U.S. President Joe Biden confirming that American military forces together with the United Kingdom and the support of Australia, Bahrain, Canada and the Netherlands successfully conducted strikes against a number of targets in Yemen, he says, used by Houthi rebels to endanger freedom of navigation in the one of the world's most vital waterways. Reference there to the continued attacks that we've seen from Iranian-backed militants in Yemen, the Houthis, against ships trying to operate in the Red Sea. The United States have in the past couple of weeks said that there would be consequences for that and we've seen those consequences in the past couple of hours. Strikes against Houthis carried out by planes, ships, submarines, raids on several Yemeni cities, not in and around the, uh, the, the Red Sea, literally on Yemeni territory. Dozens of sites were targeted, we're told, including logistical hubs, air defense systems, and weapons storage locations. Joe Biden's statement ends by saying these strikes, targeted ones, are a clear message that the United States and our partners, he adds, will not tolerate attacks on our personnel. I will not hesitate, he says, to direct further measures to protect our people and the free flow of international commerce. In changing gears, where the 54th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum will begin next week in Davos, Switzerland. The theme this year is Rebuilding Trust. The gathering, of course, brings together leaders from business, government and academia to address global challenges and foster more public-private partnerships. The forum also attracts substantial investments and generates impactful initiatives. Davos, Switzerland, known for being a popular resort town in the Alps, transforms into the meeting place for the world's most influential leaders during the World Economic Forum. This week-long event brings a significant economic boost to the region. According to the World Economic Forum, the annual meeting generates over 49 million U.S. dollars in benefits for the local economy in Davos and over 82 million U.S. dollars for Switzerland. The forum not only benefits the local tourism industry, but also boosts the catering, hotel and retail sectors. With thousands of attendees, including political leaders, business heavyweights and celebrities, the demand for accommodation in this small town skyrockets, leading to a tenfold increase at least in hotel prices. As a not-for-profit organization, the World Economic Forum is funded by its over 1,000 global members. Membership and partnership fees range from 70,000 to 700,000 US dollars, depending on the level of engagement. Non-members who are invited as company representatives reportedly pay around 28,000 US dollars to attend, and this has earned the forum the reputation of being the most expensive vanity fair in the world. Over its five decades of existence, the World Economic Forum has gained increasing influence across various sectors on the international stage, bringing immense value and global attention to the town of Davos. And with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time.